I'm not screaming today. It's just me. Well. Thank you. Yeah. Well, anyway, Evan's not here. Scott's not here. So we had to call in some relief the from the B bullpen. Team. Yes. The so B Robin, team. what I'm is here. going on? Jordan, I'm so excited that we get to do this. <laughs> Man, know. this is like a big deal. They trust we, us with this. We could do a spinoff, just me and you. We could. What could we call it? Mm, I don't we'll know. Think we'll about think about it. that. But yes, I am super glad to be here. Thankful Evan asked me to to pinch hit Ooh. for him today. Nice. And we coming have up behind me. A very special guest. Very special guest here to the podcast. Miss Cassie Hammett. Mm, yes. Y'all know How are her. You? I'm good. good. I'm glad to be on the B team one. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. The underdogs. Yeah. We are. We're like yeah, the we bad news Evan. bears. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that too far back for you, young people? No. No. It Come fits on now. me for sure. <laughs> so, yes, awesome. Cassie Hammett, um, the infamous <laughs> do good queen herself, um, is here. And we are excited to hear her share a little bit about the hub, the purchase. And then, of course, um, at the Simple Church, we just launched a brand new coffee that we're serving on Sundays. And Cassie. Um, it's going to tell us all about the good that is happening with Rise Up and Rise. Yes. So, Cassie, we're so glad you're here. Tell us a little bit about you and what's going on in your world. Yeah, so um, I'm the founder of The Hub, Urban Ministries here in Shreveport. Longtime friend of Simple Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just The Hub, but personal friend of Simple Church. Um, so I'm super thankful to be here. I This is Simple the Church and The Hub launched the same year. Same year, too. Much. Yep. And so this is the Hub's 15th year in July, which is crazy. Um, So, yeah, my main job is to run the Hub here in Shreveport. And we have locations all across the country now. So So I get to be a part of, you know, traveling and checking on those locations and doing some consulting and things like that. But primarily um, just in the trenches of work here in in Shreveport Mm -hmm. Um, and love it as much as I did 15 years ago so yes yeah. it's been so cool to get to um be on the outside and kind of watch or participate too but um see how god's grown that ministry mm-hmm. in so many different ways and how you guys have continued to serve our city consistently with the um same value system that you mm-hmm. started with and just how god's grown that it's been yeah. incredible to see that how it how it just started doing street Street outreach yep. kind of thing, loving people where they were and how God has grown that. So give us a little bit of overview of things that have grown and then specifically um, inside into Purchased. What's yeah. that? Like? So um, the Hub has two main ministries, the Lovewell Center and Purchase Not For Sale. Um, the Lovewell Center is in downtown Shreveport and it is a model of ministry that serves primarily those in homelessness and um, experiencing poverty. And we use a model, kind of a threefold model that um, we believe is very countercultural to how mm. most individuals in poverty have experienced um, help and sort of like the social work world, um, but also countercultural to how most volunteers yeah. <laughs> have experienced what it's like to serve the poor. Um, so at the Lovewell, it's a membership based uh, model. So Everyone gets the opportunity to be a member of the Lovewell Center. I'm a member. My kids are a member. Um, anyone can become a member there. Once you're a member, you get the opportunity to earn credits by attending classes mm-hmm. or pro- working on projects, going to counseling, job hunt, you know, going on job interviews. They earn credits for all of that on their membership account, and then they can spend those earned credits 
in our resource stores on the inside of the love well, a clothing store, a food store, a laundromat. So the premise is one um, membership speaks to belonging Mm -hmm. and individuals in poverty and homelessness. It's been a really long time since um, not just they were allowed to be somewhere, but where they were expected and they belonged. Um, And then the participation in earning is the second part of the model. That's so important. Um, Asking them to engage and their lives changing and mm. asking them to engage in their own um, growth and goals and, and seeing their lives change. And then the last piece being the power of choice, which is just they get to spend the things that they've, the points they've earned on the things that they want, wow. um, yeah. things that fit them, clothing they like the style of, whether it's stylish or not, <laughs> right. uh, the food they actually need, the food they can actually eat, um, being able to do their laundry and and being able to walk away with all of those resources knowing they weren't handed to them, but yeah. that they engaged and earned them. And so um, it's a little miracle that's happening down there. It's so I was just sitting in my off, in an office down there working, and I was listening to the class that was being taught. And it was a class about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Wow. <laughs> and, like, how to, like, identify your needs and how to best have your needs met. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, like just knowing that that room of people is learning at that level such high quality information and just hearing them interact like say things like this is why it's so hard to trust people on the streets because your needs get exploited and just hearing them learn it's kind of a side note but I was just reminded of like it's so important what we're doing there is just so important um and people are leaving poverty because of it and so that's at the Lovewell Center and we've been there about 10 years we have f- almost 6,000 members. Wow. Holy Which, cow. Yeah, it's a little terrifying. I'm always like, if please don't let all of them show up on the same day. I literally don't know what we would do. Oh, no. um, but I think that speaks to how people are engaging in it and responding to it. Yeah. And I think what I, when I think about that, 6,000 people have been given the gift of dignity. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've That's realized right. they're God-given dignity in that, that they have yeah. a place that they belong. And a lot of those people came and engaged in the love well and the love well did it its job in that they didn't need it for very long. And I, I think that, that that's what's cool is that like we don't have 60,000 people coming every day because a lot of those people don't need the services of the love well anymore because it did. Uh, I think it serves for some people in their lives, especially those on the line mm-hmm. of poverty and homelessness. It can serve as this sort of catch that mm. quickly pushes them back into um, a more stable life yeah um so it's my favorite place on earth honestly i love it so we've been doing that there for about 10 years um and then the other ministry of the hub which is primarily what we're going to talk about today is purchase not for sale which is a ministry that is designed to reach adult women in the sex industry adult victims of sex trafficking um, high-risk teenage girls and Mm -hmm. identified child victims of trafficking Mm. um and so we have there's a lot of things we could say about all the programs and we could get in the weeds of everything, but uh, we're outreach first driven. So as a ministry, we are um, consistently weekly um, showing up in all of the places that uh, women who are being exploited are, whether Mm -hmm. that's strip clubs, jails, parts of the city um, that are possibly higher trafficked areas, um, the bus route, motels, casinos, all of the places that, those populations um, tend to be. We do that on a weekly basis to build trust, 
to just be a constant presence in their lives, even before they reach out, even before they need help or perceive that they need help. Um, And because of that, for as long as we've done it, um, purchased this kind of a household name among Mm -hmm. like all the places your mom tells you not Not to go. go. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, but it's just good to know that um, our name has saturated those populations enough that, um, you know, we, we still go every week and we still do that, but we have a very, we are very accepted in Mm -hmm. their world. And that's something we're really proud of. Um, we have a 24 hour hotline, um, that individuals can call or people can call in the community who suspect human trafficking. Um, in our region, uh, we're the only anti-trafficking organization. So North of around Lafayette, um, we're pretty much it. Mm. And so in our region, uh, with our law enforcement, law enforcement partnerships, uh, our hotline is the reporting hotline, which is really crazy. That um, is and crazy. Yeah. And so we, if we get a call, uh, we involve our law enforcement um, task forces. If they get a call first, then they involve us. So we mm-hmm. have this very like mutually beneficial, very incredible relationship with law enforcement and all the other systems in the city, the DA's office, the court system, probation, parole, DCFS, all those places. Um, and so then we have after outreach as, as women and children engage with whatever, however they have with us and engaged in our outreach resources, they can then um, come into any of our programs. And we have Mm -hmm. several programs depending on um, the person's situation. Um, We have a residential program, nine to 12 months. We have a diversion program with the DA's office in both parishes, Caddo and Bossier. And essentially just in layman's turn, all that means is when women are facing a prostitution charge, if they qualify at the DA's office, meaning they don't have any violent charges, mm-hmm. they can be diverted into the purchase program in place of jail time. Mm. Oh, and so great. it gives them the opportunity to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so essentially they choose that. It's the, it's actually, people are always like, well, what if they choose that as like get out of jail free card? And I'm like, well, technically it's easier <laughs> to just sit in jail. Yeah. Like, because you're more only, required. Yeah, of you. it's more required, more required of you. Um, but then I'm always like, I would choose it. So yeah, <laughs> I don't care why they're choosing it. Like I would, right? Because <laughs> uh, I don't want to go to jail. But um, they can come into our program, and if they complete it, um, it's that charge is taken off the record, um, which oh, is pretty incredible. So we have that, and then we have several other programs, but they're all designed. They're all trauma informed, mm-hmm. so they're they're all built around the idea that. Um, the populations we serve, not just those populations, but you and I too, have been through significant amounts of trauma. And without sort of healing and sort of unwinding all of that trauma, they won't. There won't be full restoration. Right. And so everything's designed around um, trauma informed and trauma responsive therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of those programs, no matter which one they're in, they're designed not just to say at the end of it, like, "Oh, good, you're not a dancer anymore. You're not a prostitute anymore." I mean, that's that would be selling short what's possible. So right. our aim for them is just full restoration and full that restoration. when they leave, you know, our programs that um, they're thriving and able to, to walk in, in the plan that God has for them, that very unique plan um, and that they're able to be self-sufficient, mm-hmm. which leads to um, the part of the conversation about rise up and rose. It's, yes. you know, so that's an overview of, of purchase. When, when it comes to kids, we have programming as well. Um, it looks pretty much, the like same for teenagers or yeah so okay. um 11 to 17 um because yeah. in louisiana the legal adult age is 17 which is terrifying <laughs> terrifying is that news? A, why is that news to me well federally it's 18 yes. in louisiana it's 17 yeah I, I don't 
Unless that's changed in the last, like, since COVID. But, um, yeah. No, so I'm sure you're it's right. It's strange. Yeah. Because if, if I think yeah. about myself, even at eight, if I think about myself at 17, like, Lord. You know. Yeah. No. I was nowhere near an adult. But. Um, wow. Yeah. So, on okay. the kids' side, we work with all of the systems that high-risk children are in. Mm-hmm. Um, we're currently working with the DA's office to develop an exit, like, basically a diversion for kids that mm-hmm. have been arrested for runaway, running away from home. And then we have programming for kids but it's it's pretty much the same thing that i explained for adults right. but just geared around children yeah um how many people do y'all have working down at the hub so we have three main teams the lovewell team purchase team and then the executive team um which sounds very fancy but let me be clear we are not fancy <laughs> but uh so between all of those teams there are oh this is a pop quiz 14 i believe for the, everything for everything for everything that's amazing that mm-hmm. is there, I'm gonna. My I staff can, is gonna listen to this and be like, "There are 16 of us," <laughs> and um, that's okay. <laughs> 14-ish. I lose track sometimes, but yeah, we have a very give or take. Very, yeah, give or take. We have a very lean team, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but very volunteer. Very yeah. That's driven. what I was gonna say. The reason we stay lean is because we do most of we execute most of what we're doing through volunteers. Gotcha. So we're able to to use a lot of people to do that. Um, so that's kind of the overview of purchased. Um, it's an incredible ministry um Mm. it's hard it's a beast yeah obviously because working with victims of trafficking is um one of the hardest populations to serve Um, right so yeah i did want speaking of that there you guys uh released a podcast recently and we'll put that in the show notes Mm -hmm. where g shares Mm -hmm. her story Mm -hmm. and so if you want to just hint at at that but it really I, i loved what you shared that afterwards she felt so free yep that she got to share yeah her story of restoration her own words yeah she um g is a graduate of purchased and uh one of the very first employees of rise up and roast which we'll talk about in a second but yeah she got to share her story on a, a recent podcast episode that we did and you know i think for me the most important thing was that listening to her story you just realize how many assumptions um mm. people come to the conversation about sex trafficking with that are just not accurate and can you give one example of what sex trafficking is not yeah so in the in our region in the united states sex trafficking it doesn't look like the movie taken Mm -hmm. you know it's not a liam neeson situation Mm -hmm. like or kind of that more snatch and grab kidnapping selling on the black market that is happening internationally Mm -hmm. tragically every day Um, but here that's just not what it looks like. And I think that it's important for people to know that in the United States, but specifically in our region, it's a lot more subtle than that. Mm. Um, and in G's case, a lot of the, a lot of the grooming and a lot of the influence and a lot of the vulnerability started when she was a child. And so you just realize that, you know, that long over that long of time in your life to be influenced by family members in prostitution and for it to be the only thing you know that Mm -hmm. like to choose it is not really a choice I mean you know what I mean like it's not like they anyone wakes up and says like I I want to go into prostitution Mm -hmm. you know and I think that's a misconception I think another thing about G's story that was hard for people to hear but I think important is how even even when you know she was severely abused and was in the hospital and, and we had worked with her to move her from there to our program and 
to keep her safe because her um, pimp is still out. Um, and so she's, you know, we, she wasn't able to just leave freely. She mm. had to be kept um, safely so that there wouldn't be any retaliation. Even after all of that, to hear her say, like, I went out for a smoke break and still kind of thought, I'm going to leave. Like, mm. I want to go back to him. And I know that I think that's really hard for people to hear. But I was just really proud of her for saying that mm-hmm. because it's the truth. And I think a misconception about victims of trafficking is that they're waving a, a flag saying, help me, help me, help me. And then they're just so thankful when you do. Yeah. Um, and so her story, she kind of talked through like how scary freedom felt to her. Um, and like she walks into a nice, quiet, non-chaotic home environment and how she, it didn't feel good to her yeah Yeah. like it was really uncomfortable and so I think there's just a lot of of things that we can misconceptions that can easily go away when we just talk to an actual person Mm -hmm. who's walked through it you know we come up with all of these ideas about sex trafficking and then when you talk to an actual victim they blow all of those ideas away Mm -hmm. because they're people with stories and it's just not so black and white so but I was incredibly proud of the way she handled her story Mm. and the way she took control of of that narrative and it was the first time that she'd ever told her story publicly Mm. and so we were a little nervous that there would be some like post vulnerability hangover you know where you're like oh I shouldn't have done that and so (laughs) uh, Lindsay the director of purchase checked with her the day after the podcast aired and she was like no I that's like the first time I've ever felt heard like Mm. and she didn't know how many people listened to that but it didn't matter to her like right you know, her and it was just her and I and then Eddie Briary from Church at Red River in the room. And she was like, I've just never gotten to tell my story out loud. And without anyone silencing me or without anyone saying, no, that's not what happened or changing the narrative. So um, it was a bit actually now weeks down the road, like we can see that it's been a really big boost in her overall confidence that has it's sustained. You know, that's I mean, so great. Yeah, she's walking a lot taller after that. So. Oh, yes. So, yes, if you're listening, you definitely want to take a look. Again, we'll put it in the show notes where you can find G's story Mm -hmm. because it is very powerful. Um, So going from purchased and then tell us how it connects with Rise Up and Roast, which is brand new coffee that Simple Church is using, but it's way bigger than just us. Right. So um, a few years ago, we looked at purchased as a program and realized Mm -hmm. that we really felt like we had figured out the recovery or at least the model we use for recovery, not figured it out in total because you're always learning and always changing. But what we noticed was um, the transition between post recovery to self-sufficiency that that runway didn't exist. Like it was kind of this rug getting pulled out from under them into reality. Like, They've been so basically, this, they'd be in that program. Yeah, and then good bye. job, good job. <laughs> See you later. Good luck. That's and right. Walk and, out the door. and we help them find housing, and we help them find employment. Like we were helping with that, but the sharp change from recovery environment to reality, mm-hmm. we just didn't feel like like they were surviving it, like and 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 getting through it and staying, you know, out of the life and staying in right. their recovery. But we just looked at it and thought, man, I think I think we could do that better. Like, I think there's, we as much as we've worked on the recovery piece, maybe we could shift and work on, like, that piece. And so we started just praying through what that could look like. Very long story short, um, the dream that's kind of born in my heart first was, 
what would it look like to build a social enterprise, which that's not a new idea. Like, right. Everyone, a lot of people do that. Um, but what would it look like to do it our style, Mm -hmm. which would be a little different, um, to where they would start working for us middle of their recovery. So not when they graduate and move on like most people, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, dead middle of their recovery and giving them that opportunity early on so that, um, they stayed more invested in their recovery long-term because mm-hmm. they're human beings just like you and I. So like if you and I got picked up out of our life and put into a recovery home, no matter how good that change would be about three months in and we'd be like, okay, I got to get, yeah, I got to get a job. I got to start making, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, it's in us, right. Mm-hmm. To take care of ourselves. And so we wanted to sort of alleviate that pressure by putting the employment piece early enough where they when that friction started, they actually started working. Um, but we also kind of, our theory was if it's early in their recovery, it will cause them to be more invested in their recovery in general because they're getting an earning opportunity, which feels like an investment in their future. Mm-hmm. And so would it, what the question was, would it cause the retention to go up? Like if they felt like I am here, but I'm also investing in my next step, would they stay? longer Mm -hmm. and uh turns out they do (laughs) uh and so that's kind of the the dream that was started and then through some conversations in the community primarily with andrew crawford who runs uh rhino coffee best coffee in town Mm. i have a starbucks cup in front of me he would literally Mm. disown me i shouldn't have even said it because this isn't a video podcast yeah (laughs) i could have literally not just given myself up um edit please i'll edit it out for you that little thing yeah (laughs) uh so him and i had had some passing conversations about partnering together to Mm -hmm. to hire um vulnerable populations of people right over the years and so we just kind of got serious about those conversations and and started kind of laying the framework of his business rhino coffee labs which is the roasting portion of rhino coffee partnering with the hub and developing a social enterprise together. And so that's where Rise Up and Roast was born. And so essentially, um, not to get too in the weeds, but Rise Up and Roast is a distributor of Rhino Coffee. So we've chosen the the beans, we've chosen the flavors, we've chosen all of those things. Um, but Rhino Coffee Lab roasts all of our products and our employees manage all of our wholesale accounts, um, weigh out the beans, grind the beans, package everything, and deliver everything. They also do customer service. They answer emails. Um, they run the entire company, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's like, practically what Rise Up and Roast is. And so um, they start as interns. They're interns for six weeks. During those six weeks, they get um, legitimate barista training from Rhino Coffee. They go through a, a coffee foundations course where they're learning – um, as much as they can about coffee because that's the business we're in. And so they need to be able to answer questions yeah. and, and know um, enough about it. So they get barista trained, which is, um, that's, it's practically important. But the other side of it that people may not, that may not be as clear is that why we do it is because it is brand new information. Mm-hmm. And it's the first step for their brains to start to learn some pretty massive things that they've most of them have never heard mm-hmm. or seen and so it's a it's a stretching it's like an experiential stretching that right. says like hey this yeah. is a new world that um, we're kind of pushing you into and so it's important more than just them knowing about coffee it's it's 
kind of a stretch that says like, hey, you're about to learn some things and your brain's going to have to sometimes use parts of your brain that haven't been used, used in forever. Yeah. We all know what that feels like. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a very rewarding process. You yeah, know, I was to about to say, it's a very, it's an interesting thing when you start doing something new. Yeah. Someone the other day, I think it was at our board meeting, someone said, I forgot how good it is to suck at something. <laughs> yeah. How good it is for you. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? To remember yes. like, oh, like I don't know this and I have to learn it. So it's cool to watch that process start. So once they finish their six-week internship, so they're essentially interns of Rise Up and Roast, so they're doing sort of all of the grunt work mm-hmm. of Rise Up and Roast. At the end of six weeks, they have to fill out an application and they ac- actually have to apply for employment at Rise Up and Roast. It's not, you know, we're trying to teach them what it feels like to have to, you know, interview and mm-hmm. try right. to get a job, even though, like, they know they're going to get <laughs> they know they're going to get the job, but... We want them to feel sort of that tension. So they do the interview and then they become paid employees. Um, They start at minimum wage, but every two weeks they get a pay increase depending on their employee grade for those two weeks. And their increase goes up to living wage, which is 1640. Mm -hmm. And so really we want them to go from minimum wage to to living wage pretty quickly. Like we don't want them to stay in that low wage um, pay longer than two weeks. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. we want them moving up every two weeks, but it creates sort of this dynamic where some of them for the first time are feeling what it feels like to get a raise and what it feels like not to get the raise. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, like your, what you do when you're at work matters, it has consequences. And so they can work up to a living wage and rise of interest is a job incubator. So they can't work for us forever. Unfortunately. (laughs) Um, I'm like the grandma of the organization. Like I, (laughs) like everyone's like, they can't work here forever. I'm like, are you sure? We can't yeah. keep them forever. But, um, yeah, so they can only work for us for about, so technically three, about six months mm-hmm. as employees. And the the reason for that is just like everything at the hub, we want everything to continue moving them forward. forward. You know, it's, it's all about finding your calling, finding the thing that you're gifted at, and not staying stagnant. Mm-hmm. While they're employees, mm-hmm. um, they're doing the work of Rise Up and Roast and, and doing all the order management and all of that. They're also in classes that are um, shaped around building self-sufficiency. So um, their course curriculum while they're employees, um, it ranges, but some of the cl- class topics are, you know, financial literacy. Um, we have a customer service training that's a nationally accepted one that if mm-hmm. they go through it, they get automatic interviews at like a long list of big box stores like Target and places like that. They go through that. They go through job readiness programming. But they also do things like they build a life plan. Um, And that life plan includes how do you build community and what are you going to do when you get stressed and what's your relapse plan? Mm -hmm. Like it really takes them through all of the things that are foundational to sustaining recovery because getting people employed is not really the problem. It's uh, when you're talking post-recovery, the bigger problem is sustaining recovery, recovery. Mm-hmm. um and so the classes are aimed at that so they go through um decision making training safe people mm-hmm. which is a, a curriculum we have how do you find safe people how do you know the difference mm-hmm. um so it's it's all like gearing them up for self-sufficiency sustained um right. and so they're going through those classes and then also the last thing is while they're employees they also have a, an employment coach who they meet with every week it's not a hub staff member. So the reason we did that is we wanted to introduce someone that wasn't paid mm-hmm. to yeah. <laughs> care about 
these things. You know, right. someone from, you know, the, the outside world who wants to be a part and wants to coach them, sort of an expert voice in their life that isn't a staff member. So she comes every week um, once they're employees and they have an, a coaching session with her where they're doing all of, all of the things, getting ready right. for employment. Um, and so they're getting a lot of yes. preparation and job readiness as they are also working and earning. And then when they graduate, purchase the program, they have three to six months they can live in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and the purpose of that is the post-grad time is just work, save money, you know, bank everything you need to bank, find a car, all of those things before you have to transition it's, out yeah. on your own. And so the the length of time they work for Rise Up and Rose ranges. It just depends on how quickly they get employed post-graduation. So if they have a job ready for them when they graduate, they transition out of our employment into that one. Mm-hmm. If it takes a little while, they don't lose their employment spot when they graduate purchase. Like right. G, G is still an employee of ours mm-hmm. while she's also looking for employment. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a dream come true. Um, literally like it's the most fun thing. Is there a storefront or no? So we're currently an account, a wholesale account based program or business. The reason we chose that was, um, we wanted to be able to control the growth of the company so Mm -hmm. that it served the employee, not the company. Like, because if you, there's just two ways to do a social enterprise. One is you have to, you're building a big business and having to support it with employees the other is the employee is the point, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the, the direction we've headed in. So we started as a wholesale account because we can control when we add new accounts, and and we can pause and according to what the employees need. Right. We also have a really incredible church par- partnership network, including Simple Church, of about 38 churches that we knew we could start with, um, and so that's where we started. But this summer, August or September, we will have a retail front on the website. So uh, we're gearing up Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be able to offer the coffee retail and offer some merchandise retail. Um, By the time that August comes, we'll have a few more employees in there because it is, I mean, as it is right now, it's a lot of work, Mm -hmm. you know, so we're trying to like gauge. We don't want to burn out our employees. We don't want to grow faster than we're able to, you know, to handle and so the wholesale approach gives us the ability to pace that out a little more healthy yeah and the the good news is if you're listening and you want to try the coffee besides being at simple church we are it is for sale at the do good store so we were able we are obviously purchasing it wholesale very first retail place yes so that is where you can get all Mm -hmm. the all the flavors. Yes, we have four. Yeah. I know. I love mm-hmm. share the names of the flavors yeah, I was about and to tell ask, us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that because that's a great little um, yeah. knowledge. We um, we wanted names that <laughs> are when we were in the naming process. We had a big whiteboard and it was like whoever wants to come name the coffee. Everybody, you know, at this time, every your ideas up. Yeah, and yeah, that whiteboard There's, we could never let anyone see a picture of it because it was. <laughs> You yeah. know, you oh, just yeah. start in a place and you oh, end in yeah. a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so we have four different um, roast. They're not really flavors, but roast. It's correct. I'm sorry. Available. It's okay. No, it's okay. I call them flavors sometimes too. I forget. But it is. But um, we wanted a name that was names that reflected what we were doing. Mm-hmm. We didn't want them to be too on the nose. You know, like the Rahab blend. No <laughs> offense if that's someone's 
name, but you know what I mean? We didn't want it to be too <laughs> right. Christian-y, too on the nose. Like just yeah. Not too serious. The Paul right. Saul blend. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but um, so as we were talking through just the story of the women in Rise Up and Roast, um, and actually the story of a coffee bean, interestingly, we just were like, man, what if we name them to reflect sort of that journey? And then we were like, what? Actually, the first uh, name that came up is I called a friend of mine out in Vegas who is a um, coffee snob is like not he's whatever would be worse than a coffee snob. Like, I don't know, like coffee connoisseur. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. Shout out, Micah. Anyways, he knows more yeah. about coffee than any person on the planet. And he's a snob about it. So I called him and I put him on speakerphone. I was like, hey, we're trying to name this coffee. And we have this darker roast that we're trying to name. He's like, man, like, when I think about a dark roast, it needs to get me up and out. And we were like, okay. Like, up and out felt like something. And then we realized that we were thinking through the Israelites' journey and from, you know, slavery to freedom. Mm-hmm. What what did that look like? And so we started writing a bunch of words. And essentially what we came up with was up and out, firing cloud, milk and honey, and... <laughs> The decaf one's called Late for Church. <laughs> we couldn't figure out. I love that. That's we funny. were going to call it Eternal Rest. Like <laughs> we just, anyways. So that'll the, be forthcoming. That'll yeah, be a yeah. new blend. Yeah, keep that tucked away. But the three uh, reflect the journey from, you know, slavery to freedom for the Israelites. Obviously, God's provision through mm-hmm. um, a fire and cloud, and then the Promised Land being milk and honey, and we feel like that also reflects the journey that the women we serve are on and really the journey we're all Mm -hmm. on, which Mm is, you know, finding freedom and God providing and moving towards obviously like the promised land that he has for us. And so we were like super pumped about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if we ever have to name more coffee, I don't know what we're going to do, but right now those are the names. Jordan and I would like to come to that meeting (laughs) because we would love to throw out some names. It starts real petty and bad. Like, I was about to say, you get in a room with a bunch of creatives just yeah. throwing, so you get nothing done. Nothing. <laughs> except nothing for, gets done. Except for, we did get the name. It just didn't start great. How long did it take, though? Uh, about an hour and a half. Oh, well, there not you too go. Bad. That's not too bad. That's mm-hmm. not too bad. Shout out to Micah for starting us Micah, off. Micah, thank you. And up and out. Now, we have milk and honey and mm-hmm. late for church is mm-hmm. what we're serving right now. It's a yes. simple church, but I've tasted all of them. Milk and honey is a crowd favorite across the board, usually. So one of the things that I have learned just since uh, when I got to come to a tasting and experienced where the the coffee beans are actually being roasted right Mm -hmm. here in our city, which I love. Inside the purchase building. Yeah, inside (laughs) here in Shreveport. Yes, it's incredible. It smells so good. If you love coffee. Yeah. It'd be a phenomenal place to work. Um, anyway, what I love about it and what I learned is just how fresh mm-hmm. uh, the coffee is and what we're getting every single Sunday has mm-hmm. been roasted the week before. And mm-hmm. and so all that, if you're not a coffee person or they don't know, know a whole lot about coffee, why is it, why does that matter? Why does yeah. having coffee roasted right here matter and it being so fresh and yeah, yeah. all that? Yeah, so I think... Um, having locally sourced or like it's not sourced locally it's internationally sourced but we can talk about that but locally roasted coffee mm-hmm. um that is also benefiting people locally mm. is a really big deal yeah. um you know we always for us we're like the person delivering your coffee is the person that's being impacted you mm-hmm. know what i mean like you're not it's you're not five people removed it's like right here right. in front of you 
she's delivering it to you. Yeah. You're meeting her. You know her by name, which I think is really powerful. Um, the the coffee being our sort of standard for freshness is because coffee. We want we want the coffee to be served when it's at its best. Mm-hmm. I mean that just is what it comes down to. And for a lot of people, I'm a, I would be cons- I would consider myself a coffee snob, like legitimately. Like mm-hmm. I started drinking coffee when I was five years old with my grandmother, um, which is probably not great, but. <laughs> um, the thing about coffee is we go to the grocery store and, and buy it in K-cup form or whatever it is. And the truth is, is that coffee starts decomposing at around two weeks. And so once it's ground. And mm-hmm. so it's not going to hurt you. But the reality is, like, it's get at two weeks, it's getting worse after that. Like, right. It's just kind of downgrading. And so um, it's been really funny because we've had feedback about the coffee. Uh, one conversation we had was like, oh, this it tastes different. And we were like, okay, well, what's your favorite coffee? And they're like, McDonald's coffee. And we we're like, oh, right. Well, this is good coffee. <laughs> it just isn't burnt. So that's yeah. why, oh, that's yeah. why it tastes it weird to you. It's sat there yeah. all day. Yeah. Um, so it's just really important for us to, at the hub in general, for us to offer the very, pe- the very best that we can. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? And when it comes to coffee, like most people listening to this wouldn't know the difference. You know, right. um, but for us, it's a big deal that our partners are getting the freshest version of what we can offer. Yeah. Um, and it's not sitting there forever and it's not decomposing and then you're drinking it and it's just like, eh, it's fine. You know, we, yeah, we I've want it. a lot of. Mm, yeah. yeah. And here's no, the thing, mm. like when it comes down to caffeine, like I'll take a hit however I can get it. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> right. if I have a choice, like I want it as fresh as fresh. it possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And actually uh, when John Hagler came to it, taste yeah. testing we forced him to drink it black which apparently never not has something never done before yeah ever. he's never done black before no never wow most people haven't because they're not drinking good coffee i remember that was the first way i it was introduced to me yeah so anyways it's just a standard that we have to make sure that that we're a big part of what we're doing and rhino is doing is teaching people that fresh coffee is actually better and the processes of the bean and all of that stuff is right. just so fascinating it's something that you would you would never no, kind of take for granted. You just pick up a cup of coffee and drink it. Um, all of our beans are not, they're sourced internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that's cool about the partnership that we have with Rhino is both the hub and Rhino have a really, really high standard of um, working with ethical farms. Mm-hmm. And so um, we know the farm, we know the farmer by name. Like we, we know mm-hmm. the information about where the bean is coming from, which I think is a really it's a really big deal to us that like the entire process is empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the future, we are currently kind of looking at finding some female only farms and, and really figuring out how can we, you know, specifically um, source our beans from females because mm-hmm. we primarily have, you know, it's all female employees. So that'll be a fun, a fun addition. And then down the road, we will be able to add, roast and add different things mm-hmm. right now we're just trying to right make it through yeah <laughs> but um yeah no, so but that I think that's so healthy that you're trying to do it in a sustainable mm-hmm. measurable way rather than just right and right. um with your hair on fire even though yes. you still may feel that it way does feel that way actually <laughs> but it is yeah. it, it is at a great pace yeah and it's just um I think to sit back and watch what it's doing in the lives of the women who are employed, I mean, there's mm-hmm. nothing like it. I mean, mm-hmm. you're just, it's every week you're just watching them come to life 
and them have hard conversations and have to push past some really, I think, I think the thing that I know we're over time, but I think the oh, thing you're that, good. um, you're good. I don't think people understand about the populations that we serve at the hub is that there's this kind of like general, like, well, they just need to get a job, mm-hmm. you know, and the difficulty for them to get a job. I, I don't think people understand the amount of hurdles that an individual typically that we're serving or working with, the amount of hurdles that they have to overcome to find employment, how mostly they end up settling for employment um, mm. because of all of those hurdles and ha- walking with them through those hurdles has retaught me that like, man, this is, this is not easy um, for them. They're, they're going, you know, the odds are stacked against them when it comes to employment. Um, and we are going ahead of them and clearing out the path. And even with that, it's still very difficult for them to do basic things like get a bank account. Mm-hmm. A lot of them can't hmm. like they're blocked from it or they can't get their drivers. Like there's just, and you realize like now obstacles. Yeah. Our, in our, what we do at the hub is, can't is not a good answer for us and so Mm -hmm. we were like okay well and we ended up all of them got their bank accounts but if I mean the reality is if we weren't in their life and if we didn't shoulder into that and use our influence right you just realize how quickly disappointment comes you know and why people take low-wage jobs Mm -hmm. and why people settle for employment that isn't maybe what's even best for them as far as an environment um, is because it's almost impossible. Like it's almost impossible for them to find employment when they want, when they want to. So when people are like, they just need to get a job. It's like, man, like they know that. Like if it was that easy, they Mm would have that, they would have done that. And so just watching them have to overcome those obstacles, um, but them actually doing that and, and putting, you know, applying themselves to it and showing up, you know, the, the employees we have right now, like within two weeks, we showed up to, to work and we walked in, we being like me and the, the other girl from the hub staff that runs it. And they were like, okay, this is what we're going to do this week. Uh, they were in charge. <laughs> and we were like, okay. Like we yeah. just sat back and just watching them take initiative, watching them shape all of our processes. Um, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy to see how quickly it is changing them um, just to have that, that piece of employment early in their recovery Mm -hmm. you know I mean it makes it's a little difficult I mean I will be honest like yeah backing it into recovery is a little more complicated because Mm -hmm. you know you're not there's not full restoration like you're still they're still working through things they're still um processing their past and their hurt and and learning how to deal with one another yeah and we were laughing about this this week but they're going to be the best employees anyone in the city is going to hire, not only because of the programming piece and all of the, the readiness they're getting, but the situation they're in, mm-hmm. um, in the heat of recovery, living together and working together. Like we, t- like we were laughing, like if you guys make it out of this alive, like yeah. you, you have done something that most people couldn't do. Like mm-hmm. your resilience factor is going to be so mm-hmm. much higher if you guys can live together, dig around your lives, you know, be in recovery 40 hours a week and work together, um, like that's yeah. a skill set. Real quick, I do know we're running short on time, mm-hmm. but I think that's really important for people who are listening to understand is that 
they're working on their recovery mm-hmm. 40 hours mm-hmm. a week. On the, average, yep. Yeah. And the um, intern and the working through Rise Up and Roast is an addition to that. Yeah, so that's right. It's yeah, a full-time job. I mean, working yeah. on themselves. And they're, none of us. they're in full-time recovery. You know, they mm-hmm. have Monday through Thursday classes um, and then counseling and stuff like that on top of that. And And I always say this, but, like, if we're being honest, like, most of us have a hard time giving 30 minutes a day mm-hmm. to development or even to our relationship with the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the last thing I'll say about that is most of them, unless they're with the DA's office, most of them don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, they can leave, you know, and that's, yeah. we say all the time, like, man, like that's resiliency. Like you are staying in something that most people would not stay in. Um, right. And I don't mean most people in vulnerable. I mean, most people like, most people just like you and I, most people like them, most people like everyone would say, yeah, I can't, I can't do this. I got to get out there and get a job. I got to speed past mm-hmm. all of these things. And they're willing to show up every day, all day and do things, you know, dig around in their life, um, talk through things with a therapist and they don't have to, you yeah. know? Um, so they're the heroes, man, like literally. <laughs> so they are, yeah. they are. And the other heroes too, just as we wrap up, two more questions for you. Talking about other heroes is the volunteers, the friend mm-hmm. tours, the people mm-hmm. who come and walk alongside yes. those. I know we've got a few who are part of the Simple Church mm-hmm. that have been a part of that program for a long time. But for other people who are listening and want to get involved, mm-hmm. speak really quickly to how somebody could um, come and find out more about the yeah. Hub and Purchase Not For Sale. But then how would they volunteer? Yeah, so you just go to the Hub's website, thehubministry.com, and click on Serve. And everything's there for you to see. Um, to serve and purchase, though, you do have to go through a mandatory training called mm-hmm. Equip Training. And that's we have one every quarter. That's also on the website, the upcoming one. It's in July. It's just one day. It's just a Saturday. Um, but it is mandatory to serve at purchase. So, sure. but, but once you go to the website, that's all there. Under the Serve tab, you can see all the opportunities and the training dates and all of that. Um, and on the purchase side, we use volunteers for everything from um, all of our outreach teams to teaching classes to friend touring, which is mentoring, but girlier sounding, mm-hmm. uh, which is one-on-one relationships yeah. with women in the program and with the teens in the program. Um, and then transportation all the way, all the way across mm-hmm. the board, trans- transporting women to uh, their doctor's appointments and all over the city. Um, that's the one right now that we're actually looking for people okay. to help with just because it's a massive part of what we do. Sure. So you could, there's something for everyone. That's what's cool. Um, yeah. and pretty unique about anti-trafficking organization. It's, the fact that like there are so many opportunities for people to get involved is pretty unique because usually in the human trafficking world, um, it's pretty hard mm-hmm. as a volunteer to get involved. And so we work really hard to train our volunteers. You have to go through a background check and all this kind of stuff. But once you clear all of that, like we want volunteers to be a part of everything. Part of everything. Yeah. So yeah. there's so- there's something everyone can do. Right. And we, the Simple Church, too, if you're listening and you're part of the Simple Church um, this, during the holidays, mm-hmm. we are going to find a lot of different ways to help and, and be involved as small groups. So yes. we're looking forward so to that. But that, yeah. you don't have to wait for that. You can go to mm-hmm. hubministry.com mm-hmm. and click on serve, find out all that information. And then generally, if you want to purchase coffee, you can do mm-hmm. that at the Do Good store. But then later this summer... We'll yes. Release and the we'll retail front. Yeah. Retail front. So wherever you're listening to this, you'll be able to yep. purchase coffee. Buy it yourself. Yeah. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And then what does the cup say about, can we talk about your fresh cup is their fresh start. Their yeah. fresh start. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
Yeah. And how it's just as simple as a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. It is. It's awesome. So, it's so great. So thank you, Cassie, for what you yeah, do and how you me. impact our city, not just our city, but a lot of cities. Mm-hmm. Y'all would blow your mind if you knew all the other places that Cassie has been able to impact with the work at the hub. Mm-hmm. And I love that it was Shreveport where it started. I know. So OG. I, the OG <laughs> is right here. So, um, uh, thanks for what you do. Thanks for how you love people so well and really point all of us to Jesus. Thank I'm, you. I'm thankful. So thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Jordan, you got anything else? I got nothing. Thanks for Between letting me. Between the two of y'all, y'all get a lot done. <laughs> Not so much the B team anymore. <laughs> That's right, Evan. We did miss Take you. That. But we miss you, Evan. Peace. Peace.